Good evening. My name is Morgan, and I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Graveyard Shift, where I talk about classical music when I can't sleep at night. Now, this episode is going to be a little bit different because I didn't record it at night. My roommates are actually out for the weekend, and I have not much to do. So I researched and am recording this in an effort to entertain myself so I don't spend all day in bed. Today I'm going to be talking about Mozart's Concerto in C major for oboe and orchestra, and a little bit about the composer himself. Now, you can't go anywhere in the world of classical music without hearing about Mozart. And without exaggerating, that's because he almost single-handedly defined the classical era. There were other composers around him at the same time, of course, we have Haydn. But without exaggeration, Mozart is probably the greatest composer Western music has ever seen. Now, in the past, we've talked about how Chopin literally invented genres and how he used things that were completely out of the ordinary for Western music. But Mozart did it a little differently. He stayed within the lines of existing genres. However, he took them and expanded them well beyond what they were uh, before he got to them. And even though he only lived to be 35, he had over 600 pieces out by the time of his death. This included compositions in just about every existing genre, including operas, instrumental music. He really didn't show preferences or distaste toward anything in particular. Mozart himself is considered to be a musical prodigy. By the age of 17, he had already mastered several instruments and was performing for royalty across Europe. He spent his short life kind of traveling between job to job, trying to find the best financial security. The search for financial security wasn't because of lack of people willing to employ him or because of economic disturbances at the time, but more because he was known to throw huge extravagant parties and would invite everyone and pay for it. And as a result, he did not have the most secure finances. Mozart was born and trained in Germany, but eventually moved to Vienna in Austria, again to find um, more stability financially. And when he was trained in Germany, he was exposed to a lot of different composers, different styles, like Bach, for example. And he took that and let it influence his own work. He was actually noted, and I think this may have been a part of his prolific deposition of music, um... It was really easy for him to pick apart other people's styles and then transfer what he liked to his own music. Even though I did say he kind of single-handedly defined the classical era, there were a bunch of things going on at the same time that he kind of settled into. At the time, there was a massive backlash towards Baroque style, which included super serious music and everything had to be perfect and there were a lot of ornamentations and it sounded very regal and not really fun to listen to. So classical music was very different as a reaction. It was really light and elegant and kind of bouncy and a lot of it was transparent and really clear. Like you can hear into all the different lines and all the different instruments within the piece. The reason why I chose this concerto in particular is kind of self-serving. I myself am an oboe player, and I need to perform this piece this semester. And so doing an episode about it kind of teaches me more about the style and about the piece. 
oboe itself is a very fascinating instrument. And one thing that composers make a lot of use of is the fact that it takes very little air to make any noise. The reed is a double reed, and it's super, super small. And as a result, oboists can hold notes for very long stretches of time. And you'll hear that a couple times in this piece. There'll be a whole note for four counts or eight counts. And immediately after, the oboe will just go into another run because it doesn't need to breathe. Now, ideally, we would like to breathe, but there's a technique called circular breathing where you breathe in your nose at the same time that you exhale out of your mouth. I have no idea how to do it, and it's really hard. But for a lot of especially more intricate pieces, better oboists than I use that technique. This concerto itself was composed in the summer of 1777 for a standard string set, two oboes, and then two French horns. It's very light, which helps the accents and articulation stick out. And instead of introducing the theme right at the beginning, it's introduced actually after an introduction. So there's a bumpa, da 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 part before the actual theme is introduced by the orchestra. The oboe itself doesn't come in until over a minute into the seven-minute piece, and it introduces yet another theme, and the two are repeated quite a few times within the concerto. Additionally, Mozart uses dynamics and accents to kind of create a conversation between not only the oboe and the orchestra, but the orchestra and different parts of the orchestra. And this allows them to kind of talk to each other by repeating similar phrases, but in different ways and at different volumes. All of the ornaments and articulations are actually very stylized. What qualifies as a classical ornament is actually written down somewhere, and you have to work within that framework. But for the most part, most ornamentation is kind of DIY. And I mean that in it's up to the performer what they want to do. And they can add different ornamentations where it's not written. And that brings us to the cadenza towards the end of the piece. Now, a cadenza is kind of a showier part of the piece. It's meant to show off the performance abilities, and it's usually a lot faster and not written. Again, it's left up to the performer what they want to do at that point. Um, I believe the condensa within the recording I have for you just repeats some of the main themes. It goes up and down scales a couple times, but at speeds that just make my head spin. I'm sure that when I perform this, it won't be anything as extravagant. At the end of most of the themes, we have what we call a 1-5-1 cadence, which is also popular in a lot of folk music and pop music, where it goes dun-dun-dun, and it has the root tone, then the dominant tone, then the root again. And that's just really nice to the human ear. It makes us feel like something's settled. So listen for that as you go through the piece. So here are a few things just a reminder to listen to through the concerto. Listen for how the dynamics make the listening experience different. Listen to the condensa and try to identify where it starts and where it ends and what themes that the performer uses that you were shown earlier. And before I play the actual piece, just a quick housekeeping note that I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode. 
I realized after listening to my own podcast that I actually have a Instagram just dedicated to music, and so I shouldn't be directing you guys to my Twitter account, but at official oboe on Instagram with no caps, no numbers, no underscores, just official oboe. There are recordings of me performing, there are recordings of me practicing, and feel free to direct any music-related content toward that account. The performer and the recording, I am probably going to butcher his name because it's Russian, but it's Eugene Isatov. Anyway, he's a Russian-born oboist who is just absolutely phenomenal. He's one of the first, or he is the first, excuse me, foreign-born oboist to hold principal positions within major American symphonies, and he's just an absolutely phenomenal oboist. I think he's currently performing with the San Francisco Symphony and teaching at the university over there. So here is Mozart's Concerto in C major for oboe K314. (laughs) 